Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Gary. And this is Daniel. All right, Daniel. You ready for part two? Part two. We're back. We're back. Well, you know, thank you for joining us again because the last episode was a little long. It was a lot long. But that's okay. It was a good story. So if you got through all that, thank you and welcome here's, back. Here's the payoff. This is this is when we find out that things get better. See, this is like a cliffhanger. You know, the end of the season. It's like, oh, right. I've heard this entire story and then to be continued. Then to be continued. And then they've had to wait a week. And now they're here. And now we're here. All right. So, and hopefully this is worth the wait. Yes, it, it should be. So, you know, we're into my first year of recovery. And, you know, I started started doing a lot of work and things, and things began to change. Mm-hmm. Things began to change. And now, you know, I, I tried to change a lot a lot of times before. Yeah. Um, this was different. I was ready to do whatever was necessary. I was I was committed. I was being open and honest. No more lies. Mm-hmm. Um, was going to to therapy and to group therapy and and to twelve steps. I was doing the work I needed to do to, you know, uh, to I guess get reinstated into the into my church and along the way you know this was a process that took a number of years mm-hmm. along the way I began to learn a lot of things and really began to know my whys why do I do the things that I do mm-hmm. but I worked very very hard worked very hard and then I don't know just kind of thinking over that time. Well, you know, you work really hard at something and you hope that things are making a difference. Yeah. But it's hard to know. Am I really different? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've i done some truly, truly terrible things in my life. I've done some truly terrible things in my life, but I think the biggest mistake that I ever made was believing that I was beyond saving. Mm-hmm. And I, and I won't make that mistake again. And I, but it can be hard to know if it's if it's different. You know, and a lot of addicts say, "Well, you know, how will I know? You know, when can and you know, will this work?" So I'm going to tell this second half of the story, and this is why I know it works. So now we're going to skip to 2018. All right. So five and a half years of recovery. I have five and a half years of clean time. During that time, I have been active in my 12-step group. I have uh, mentored many group therapy sessions, uh, continued, you know, continued to do all of these things. And my life is better than I ever thought it could be. I've been reinstated into my church. Some really fun things happened like, 
became a grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I had this wonderful moment where we went to the a movie in the park night at the very park that I crossed when I had that little thought, I wish I could be a grandfather, yeah. and played with my grandson probably on almost exactly the same spot. And, and that was a fun moment. Yeah, I uh, did a lot of things. Um, did a lot of things for recovery, which reminds me of another really great episode two pence just somebody write that down we'll do that another all right um and i had wonderful wonderful experiences but here we are five years later and i get me and my family myself my wife and my two youngest boys get in a serious car accident all right now i'm the passenger my wife is driving we go through we go through an intersection and the intersection is green and we're like the third car through it and this car comes around the cars that are stopped at the light. And it's a little tiny sports car. We're in a big truck. We're in a Ford F-150. And this little this little yellow sports car, this little cobalt comes f- flying in. And I can see it out of the corner of my eye. And I know immediately I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to get hit. And it's going to be hard. And we get hit. And it rolls our truck wow. four times. Okay, And he still had enough energy to bounce off us and hit a another truck and total it and then go a thousand feet down the road in the other direction until he hit a decorative wall in front of McDonald's, which finally stopped him. Wow. Now that's a lot of momentum. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you do the physics in that, that's a lot, right? Yeah, that was, it was a lot of energy and I'd never, when when the, when the car got hit, I remember feeling the shockwave go through, and I remember glass exploding, and I remember losing my breath. And then the car began to roll. And my wife had been in a car accident when she was a teenager and had has multiple skull fractures, you know. And I and I knew that that if she hit her head, I was going to lose her. Mm. And I remember looking over at her out of the corner of my eye and. And I knew she was going to be okay. I felt like she was being held. I knew she was going to be okay. But the car began to roll, and I remember thinking, oh, this is like a horrible amusement park ride. This needs to stop so that we can start taking care of the problem. Now, we were very, very fortunate in that going the opposite direction through the intersection was a an on-duty police officer and he could see as he went through the intersection, he could see us rolling in the, in his in rear mirror. view mirror and wow. he flipped around and had the lights on before we came to a stop, you know, so help was already on the way. Um, I remember, I remember feeling the hot rush. I remember feeling the hot rush of air cause it was the end of June the hot rush of air come in and as the car settled and I remember feeling so angry I thought to myself I thought to myself I uh, I was the passenger in a car no fault so I was mm-hmm. now in a situation it was not my fault I found out later that this this other driver was uh, well never mind he he was impaired. Okay. 
We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Um, and as soon as we came to a stop, I remember having glass all over my face, and I tried to, you know, blow the glass off of my lips, mm-hmm. and I, I, I couldn't breathe. Mm. I could hear the kids talking in the back, and I could hear Christy. She was talking to them, asking them if, if they were okay. So I knew they were okay. And then I thought to myself, I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to survive this, what do I need to do? And as that anger started to well up and I was thinking, it's not fair, it's not fair, I thought to myself, the thought came to me, I don't have the energy to be angry and survive this. And then all of these things that I learned in recovery and in 12 steps and all started to assert themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember thinking <laughs> this was a recovery thing. I, I'm, I often say you do the next right thing. Yeah. There's a reason for that. When in the very first weeks of my recovery out of the hospital, I remember lying in bed with a, an alarm clock and it would tick. And sometimes the only thing I could do not to act out was to just close my eyes and listen to that clock tick. And I would think there's one more moment. There's one more moment. I'm accruing time. Mm -hmm. I'll do the next right thing, whatever it is. I'll do the next right thing, right? So now I'm in this. I'm in the, I think, all right, what can I do? I can't move. I can't breathe. All right. I'm going to stay calm and I'll focus on breathing. I'll just take the next breath. Yeah. And it was shallow and it was painful. And I found out later that, that my chest had been crushed, that I had several ribs on my left side that were broken. And then my right side was just in a mess and my lung was collapsed and punctured. And, and in fact, most of the ribs on that side of my body now are, are lined with metal. I have titanium ribs, but and and this is why this is why it's important so there i was just focusing i'll just do the next right thing just take a breath you know uh, you know i i have to if my parents or not if my parents if my kids want their father and my wife wants her husband then i need to focus on me and do the next right mm-hmm. thing that's a recovery kind of thing yeah. and I, and that was just breathing and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't know how long I can do it. Because I was in that car for probably 45 minutes or an hour because they had to cut me out of it. Wow. You know, I had to cut me out of the vehicle. And and I just remember picking a, a little spot on the dashboard and just looking at it and just, just breathe, just breathe. And I remember they threw a sheet over me uh, so that, because they didn't want glass and things breaking on and flying on me while they were cutting me out. And I remember thinking, oh, I really hope that they don't. Somebody like my kids or whoever's around doesn't think that I'm Dead. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> but and it was kind of strange because I didn't know that a, I didn't know that a human body could hurt like that. Yeah. I, you know, apart from the fact that I was in excruciating pain, there was a, kind of this weird detached academic. Wow, this is. I didn't know a person could hurt like this, you know? And 
they 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 broke the car open and then they tried to get me out and they tried uh, well they came in and and the, the ambulance was there and and they put that neck brace on mm-hmm. and as soon as they put it on it straightened out and it put all this pressure on my chest now at the time we didn't know what was going on so they were doing the sensible thing and isolating my head and neck so yeah you know but it put all this pressure on my shoulders. Now my, my right shoulder was crushed and all my ribs underneath it were gone. So when they did that, it just, oh my gosh. And then I found out that, oh, not only can a human body hurt that much, there's more. Wow. There's, this there's is more layers, pain. you know? And, you know, I just remember it just brought tears to my eyes and I thought I was going to pass out. And it, Oh, they had to manipulate me to pull me out of that car. And that was awful. And as soon as they put me on that backboard, I remember thinking, just put me back in the chair. It was soft. You know, and I didn't find out till later that that along my spine, most of my ribs on that side had all broken away from the spine. So they laid me on the laid me on this backboard and then they started throwing the straps over me and I knew what was coming. And I thought, Oh, this is gonna be really bad. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> they strapped me down and they pulled that tight and there was another layer. More pain. There was another layer, and I just kept breathing, and I thought, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. But again, recovery taught me. You just do the next right thing. And for me, that was you breathe. Mm-hmm. You just breathe, and you keep going, and you just take that next one. So they got me into the ambulance, and dr- riding in that thing was also a nightmare. Every time they'd turn or stop, you know, but that's when the first miracle happened. They put that thing in my nose that mm, puts the, the oxygen, oxygen in. Yeah. And they turned that on. And up to this point, I'd been fighting, panicking because I couldn't get enough oxygen. I know my oxygen level was really low. And, mm-hmm. I, and I wanted to... Have you ever been in a situation where you can't breathe and you get that, oh, yep, that yep, panic? After my work? jaw surgery. Yep, I understand. And and I, so I was just enduring that. And, and it was like this constant fight. And then that came on now the breathing still hurt and it was still shallow, but suddenly it felt productive and that panic went away. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this is so nice. Yeah. Air is wonderful. They should put it everywhere. I love this. Yeah. You know? And then I thought, I know how I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to hang on to this Mm -hmm. until the next moment comes. So I'll keep breathing. And then every breath I took, I thought, oh, this is so nice. And then they got me to the hospital and they started putting me back together. And they manipulated me with all kinds of taking x-rays and things like that. And it was terrible. And Finally, they got to the point where they said, okay, now you can. And I, I, I don't know, I just hurt. But I just kept hanging on to that. Oh, it's so nice to breathe so nice that that panic is gone. But my mouth was so dry, and I'm sure I was really high. But then we got to the point where they could finally start taking things off. Mm-hmm. And that thing came off. I thought, oh, that's so nice. Then they could give me some ice, and they put it in my mouth. And I thought, oh, my gosh, water is so nice. We should have this everywhere. In fact, I still... I now sleep with water, a bottle of water by my bed. So mm-hmm. the first thing I can do every morning is take a deep breath and have a sip of water and think, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Now this is, now there's a lot more to this story. 
And I just really focused on being grateful. And I thanked everybody and I was sincere. And I looked for the gifts. And I knew that self-pity was poison. This is all recovery stuff coming yeah. back to me. And my therapist, Shane, he came in and he said, this is when I was finally in the hospital. Oh, they put me on a, on the bed. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is so soft. It's so much better. This is so nice. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But this is, and this is, this is the point that I got to with wanting to tell this story or this part of the story is, oh no, no, let me keep going for a minute. So I was in the, I was in the hospital there for a couple of weeks. Okay. I was there over the 4th of July. I was in there well over and they started doing physical therapy. Oh my gosh. I don't know what it is about putting the title therapist to somebody's name, but it makes them this weird combination of gentle healer and sadistic bastard. <laughs> really? Well, they got to push you. I know. Right. Your, but do your you know brain what? saying, nope, nope. It hurts. I want to stop. But, but I tried. But I committed. I thought I will. I will handle this. I will handle this crisis exactly the way I committed to handling my recovery in the beginning. I will do whatever they ask me to mm -hmm. do. You know, I'm going to give myself the best chance of success, even if I don't want to, even if it hurts, even if it's uncomfortable. I'm going to do it mm -hmm. because it's worked pretty good for me. And so those respiratory therapists would come in and make me cough and that was a nightmare and the physical therapist would come in and make me stand up and walk around and that was a nightmare and and I remember one day just being so tired I thought I just don't want to do anything and my wife had shown up and she wanted to she wanted to visit and my physical therapist came and said you you ready for your walk and I thought no but I'm going to but I was so tired and I remember thought I just want a break I'm so tired of hurting I'm so but I knew the next right thing to do was to take that walk and so I did and I walked down the hall and they took me outside and it was the first time I'd been outside in weeks and it was warm it was a beautiful summer day and I remember leaning up against the railing this was after my surgeries and I nearly died a couple times and, you know, all that good stuff. But I leaned up against that railing. And for a minute, I don't know if it was the support or the position I was sitting in or the warm, but everything just felt good for a minute. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so nice. And then I began to look around. And I saw the hospital and I saw people coming and going. And I began to think... This was always here. The minute, the minute that I got into my car accident, this huge engine, this huge infrastructure came to life mm -hmm. on my behalf. And this represents, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of training and millions of dollars of equipment and resources, you know, this hospital and, and I remember thinking, one of the nurses, I know that you had sleepless nights studying for your test, but thank you for putting yourself in a position that that you could help me, that you could serve me. And 
And I realized that all of this has always been there. And then I realized that that's a lot like God's plan, that there's this great infrastructure that the minute that you reach out, it's there to come to life and to help you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is how I know recovery works. Because at one time in my life, in the worst time of my life, I wanted everything to end. Yeah. I wanted to cease to be. I wanted to die, but I was terrified to do it. And then I had this accident. And arguably, at that time, I could say my life had never been better. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my first grandchild on the way. Life was so good. I loved my life. My relationships were as good as they've ever been. And here I was fighting for my life and a real fight for my life. Yeah. But I was at peace with the idea of dying. It would be okay. And I thought when people are in moments of extreme like that, there's no pretending. Yeah. And I was given that gift. That might might be strange to, to think of it that way, but that accident was a gift because I got to see myself in two moments of extremity and in that second moment of extremity when there's when you don't pretend my thinking was different. I didn't want to escape. I wasn't bitter or angry. The things that I had learned to help me cope with life asserted themselves. Yeah. I was grateful. I knew that God was looking out for me. I knew that things would be okay no matter how they turned out. It wasn't it wasn't an unmanageable crisis. It was just a bad moment in life and this might sound kind of strange but I remember when I look back at the hospital, it was it was by far the most physically the most painful thing that I've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. But you know, I remember that as a happy time. I had support. People came to see me. People who know me know that I like peanut M&Ms. In fact, I may have developed a little bit of a peanut M&M habit. Addiction. Well, maybe not addiction is the right word, but definitely a habit that I would eat peanut M&Ms. In my, in my early recovery, I just like... I just pound huge bags of them. In mm-hmm. fact, I think I gained 50 pounds in my first year of recovery. But before I left the hospital, people from recovery, my church, my family, my friends, I think I left the hospital with like 50 pounds. Mm. But I was given that wonderful moment so that on the other side of it, I could look at it and say, do you know what? Things are different. Yeah, I am different. I was not beyond saving. Mm-hmm. This really does work. I can't deny it. Yeah. And that was a gift. And I don't know how else that could have been so clearly or so powerfully demonstrated to me. And that was another hinge point in my life. And I will forever be grateful for that. You know, I, I look... I wake up every morning and I take a breath, take a drink of water, say my prayers, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for where recovery has brought me. I'm grateful. But 
I don't know. I feel like I was going somewhere really cool with this, but I know that it works. Mm -hmm. I know that it's very, very real in a way that I can't deny it. And that's a gift. Yeah. I really have began to recover the life that I should have had. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see where it takes me. You know, I'm, I'm eight and a half years into this. And my life has really never been better. My relationships have never been stronger. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> For now. For now. I mean, no, I mean, thank you. I mean, <sighs> I'm sure our listeners out there are like, wow. Uh, but, you know, for me, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm glad that that voice came to your mind, um, that that guy tackled you, um, because you've been in, instrumental in my recovery. I mean, I, I've been there. I've struggled. Uh, I've done everything I could that I thought I could, and I was in that p same place, broken. I can't be saved. I can't be helped. Um, digging that hole deeper and deeper, and, you know, there's that one faithful day I went to my leader, which happened to be someone that you knew. Yeah. Um, and he told me to speak with you. And that just started a chain reaction because then I met with you. Um, he told me about Shane and I went met with him and like, sure, I'll work with you, but you know, you got to do this other uh, program. And luckily it started that night. Yeah. Um, you know, normally you wait months weeks and so it just all fell into place i mean you're right that machine is there just waiting yeah um, and when i finally did it it all clicked into place so um, it hasn't been easy you know but you know i didn't have to go through quite as the same but i have had to go through quite a bit um but i'm grateful that you've been a part of it and that you're here and i'm sure there are a multitude of other people that feel the same way. I'm sure if Mike was here, he'd he'd voice because, you know, we happen to be uh, sponsors to the, to you. But um, I'm sure there's many people over the years that have been you've been there for. So do you know what, Daniel? Your comment has just given me a wonderful thought. It wasn't until it wasn't until you said something just now that I realized that, you know. I, I don't know. The infrastructure is there. Wherever, to our listeners out there, wherever you're at, right now, there are people who have put in the time that they're qualified to help you. Yeah. There are recovery groups. There are 12-step groups. Full, the infrastructure is there. Yeah. It's just waiting for you. And more than that, the voice that told me that I had a choice to make mm -hmm. and that it was coming soon was the same voice that told me, just breathe. Yeah. Just take another breath. It's very clear to me now that God really did have other plans for me. Yeah. So however you choose to define your higher power, know that it is very, very real. Yeah. 
and that this can work for you if you'll let it. I think that's the key thing. We have to let it. You have to let it? Yeah. Because up till now, we've been, we haven't been. We've been trying to control and trying to force this into neutral wherever we want. and It just doesn't work that way. I have one last thought, and then I'm done for tonight. All right. Like I said a little bit earlier, I've done some truly terrible things in my life. Mm-hmm. But the worst mistake that I ever made was believing I was beyond saving. Don't make that mistake. Your higher power is very real. I will use the term God, Father in heaven is very real. You are not beyond his power to save. And the infrastructure is there. And with that, I'm going to challenge you to do the next right thing. There it is. I, I'm just going to, you know, second that because I know I've been there. Uh, I've done the same thing, thought the same thing, and I feel the same way. That's the worst thing that I've done. Um, so, because that just cascaded into other aspects of my life, which hurt other people and, and damaged relationships. So, all right, folks, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to say we're done. We've stuck a fork in it. We're, we're out of here. So um, I'll let you sign off, and then we'll, we'll go. All right. This is Gary saying, do the next right thing, even if that thing is just listening to that clock tick one more second or just take a breath. Do the next right thing. All right. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. And I hope and pray that you find a way to take what you've heard over these last couple of episodes and put that into your recovery and you know, do what Gary says. Do the next right thing because there is peace at the end of the tunnel. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEP-PODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.